Amen. And as you're uh, being seated, you can either take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 28, or if you have the uh, church app, you can uh, press the Bible and it'll open up for you. Matthew chapter 28, and uh, we're going to look at verses 18 through 20. Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 through 20. And uh, we've been on a a series during the month of January and February about back to basics, basic training for Christians. So we're kind of taking a, uh, a military view about getting back to basics in our Christian life as soldiers of the Lord and seeing what uh, we uh, see from God's Word that are the uh, basic training things that we need as Christians. Now, we've been looking at some various things over the last few weeks, and, you know, after a uh, group of soldiers have been to the uh, basic training and they've got some basic things under their belt, then the next thing that will happen to them is they may get a mission or be given a commission, a sense of going to do something to accomplish something. Matter of fact, From a military standpoint or even looking at the dictionary, if you were to look up the word commission, it tells you an authorization or command to act in a prescribed manner to perform a prescribed act. So a commission is someone who has authority, has given you the responsibility to act on something and to get that accomplished in some way. And so we're going to look at that from the Christian standpoint because we're looking at Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, and it's been identified over the years as the Great Commission, which is Jesus, as he's saying, I have all authority in heaven and earth. He's saying, here's what I want you to do. Here's the commission I'm giving you as my soldiers performing my work. And to understand really some of the significance of this, we've got to understand that this was uh, some of Jesus' last words before he was ascended up to heaven. And usually when someone is speaking their last words, and they know it's their last words, they're going to speak what is the most important to them at that time. So when Jesus gives this, he's given to those disciples and to carry on to you and I today something that is the most important and dearest to his heart And that's what we call the Great Commission. The other thing is the fact that he did say that he had all authority and he also used the word command. It's letting us know that this is not an option that Jesus has given us, but it's something he has commanded us to do and is counting on us to do. He has no other plan for seeing people come to know Christ and become disciples of Christ other than what he has instructed here in the Great Commission. And so I want to read this in Matthew chapter 28. Verses 18 through 20, and I'm going to read this out of the New King James translation. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Amen. Now, there's only three verses there, but it is power-packed of exactly what Jesus was asking the disciples and for you and I to be followers of Christ and what we're to accomplish. And whenever an officer gives someone some authority and that authority is given to a commission to get something accomplished, there's a couple of things that are real important, and that is What are the instructions of what we're supposed to accomplish? Now, if you got your church app, 
I want you to plug in a couple of words for me. You'll see that there's some blank spaces there where it says number one. And the first blank, you would put in I. Then it says have clear. And then the second blank space would be instructions. I have clear instructions on what I am to accomplish. Anytime an officer sends a uh, troop out to accomplish some commission, then there has to be absolutely clear what the instructions are. Otherwise, they may not accomplish the mission they've been given. So there's always clear instructions. And you and I, in these three short verses, have been given clear instructions about what we're supposed to be doing as followers of Christ with our basic training in our Christianity. There's three basic words I want to identify. The first one is going. The Bible tells us here that we are to go and make disciples. And the important thing about this word go is the way that it was written in the original language really implied as you are going. So Jesus wasn't saying to his disciples and to you and I today that, all right, I want you to go to work or go to school or go to church and go do your other activities. And at some point, I want you to just kind of make a plan of somebody to go see and to tell them about me. He's saying, as you are going about your everyday life, I want you to seize the opportunity to tell somebody about me that they might come to know me as their personal Lord and Savior. You see, sometimes when we've got to make a special effort and make a special plan, we kind of procrastinate, don't we? But Jesus wanted to make it perfectly simple that his great commission is part of our everyday life. So as you and I are going, as we're going to work, as we're going to school, as we're going to ball games, be looking for the opportunity that we might see people come to know Christ. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Luke 14, 23, it says, to go out into the highways and hedges and compel them. So Jesus is letting us know everywhere we go, if it's out on the highway, if it's out in some activities, wherever we are, we're to be compelling people that they might come to know Christ as their personal Savior, just like you and I. Now, Sometimes when we hear that word compelling, we think we've got to be aggressive and that we've got to have some uh, well-thought-out perfectly plan. But as I've looked to the Bible, one of the greatest soul winners was the Apostle Paul. And you know what he did by his own personal example? Everywhere he went, he just told somebody about what Jesus had did in his life, and their life was changed. Everywhere he went. Didn't matter what town it was, didn't matter what city it was, didn't matter whether it was something to do occupational-wise or something else, everywhere he went. And that's what Jesus is asking you and I to do. As we're going, just go out and tell other people. The other part of the instructions he tells us is not only about going, but baptizing. In the Bible, it tells us that he said that we are to go and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And sometimes people kind of lose out the reality about how important baptism is. But in Acts 2.38, it tells us that the people were told to repent and to be baptized. So the part of giving your heart and life to Lord, it's not that if you repent and you're not baptized, you won't get into heaven. But it's all part of that step of acceptance and obedience. Do you understand? Some people want to do the acceptance but never follow through with the obedience. And so the Bible is telling us to repent, to accept, 
give the Lord, ask the Lord forgiveness of our sins, accept his gift of salvation, and then be obedient. And that's what baptism is. And so when we're baptized, it kind of represents three things. Just when Bryce was baptized a while ago, it represented his sins have been washed away. We took him down into the water, and he came up. Now, the water itself doesn't cleanse those sins, but it symbolizes, symbolizes that his sins have been washed away. Another thing it does, it also is a symbol that Bryce is going to be an obedient follower of Christ because he knows the Bible says, repent and be baptized. So he's symbolizing his sins have been washed away. He's going to be an obedient follower of Christ. And to the whole world, it's just kind of a symbol that I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. Those three things, washed of your sins, being obedient, and being unashamed of Jesus Christ. And so the Bible is telling us that if we're going to be truly following through with the Great Commission, not only we've got to go out and tell others about Christ, but we've got to encourage them and to follow through with baptism because of the importance of of being obedient to the Lord. But then there's a third word, and that's teaching. Not only are we to go and share the gospel with them, baptize them so that they can be obedient, but then Teach them what God's word is so that they can live it out in their own personal life. You see, if a person never learns the depth of God's word, how are they going to learn to be a Christian? And the Bible tells us that when we uh, first accept Christ, we're kind of, the Bible described it kind of like a baby. When you're a baby, you don't eat steak, you drink milk. You have the things that are easiest for you to digest. And then as you grow in maturity, then you develop greater appetite. And the Bible is kind of letting us know it's the same way in Christianity, that when we first accept Christ, we need to learn some of the basic things. Pray. Read your Bible. Tell others about what God has done for you. And then as you grow deeper into God's Word, you will grow more deeper in how to serve God and to follow Him. So we've got some clear instructions, haven't we? We're to be going, baptizing, and teaching. But then there's another part that we got to understand about this, and that is the importance. You see, whenever a troop or a group is giving a commission to go out and do something, there's not only the fact that they have to have instructions, but they need to understand the importance of the mission that they're going on. And so if you look at uh, item number two, if you have your church app, in that first block, put I... Then it says, have compelling, and then the second one put, importance. I have compelling importance of why I must accomplish this task. You see, I found out that, uh, especially in Christianity, that if we don't have something that motivates us, we have a tendency to kind of put things off. We understand what the instructions are, but do we understand the importance behind what this commission is that Jesus has given us? You see, as Jesus is telling those disciples, telling you and I today that we're going to go out and make disciples, basically winning people that they might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. What if we don't do it? What if the mission is not accomplished? And as I've read through the Bible, Jesus only has one plan, and that is that you and I share with others about Jesus Christ. But what if we don't do that? What is really the importance behind it? Well, the first thing is the cost of a soul we have to weigh out. If you and I are not sharing the gospel with somebody, it may cost them their soul. And here's what the Bible tells us in Mark 8, 36. It says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world 
but loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So the Bible is letting us know that there is great importance. There's a cost. You know, matter of fact, when most military people are sent out on a commission, they usually know a couple of things, and that is they understand that there is probably going to be some cost to accomplish the mission, but they also want to understand if there's going to be any casualties. And Jesus lays everything out in the Bible for us that there is a cost if you and I don't fulfill the Great Commission, and that is somebody may spend an eternity in a place called hell. And it says, what if you gain everything in the whole world, but yet you lose your soul? As a matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 20, in verse 15, it says these words, Whosoever's name was not written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You see, when we understand that people's souls are in our hands, it carries a lot of significance, doesn't it? Great importance that somebody that I know, that I love, somebody that's a friend of mine, that if I don't share the gospel with them, they may end up in a place called hell. That's the cost. But then the Bible also clarifies us about those casualties. There are, if you and I don't fulfill the whole great commission, there can be what we would call casualties among the soldiers. The Bible is basically telling us that once you accept Christ, then you've got to learn God's word and start living it out in your own personal life. And if we don't help people to learn it and to live it, then they may become a casualty. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5 and verses 1 through 5, it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But then it says, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetous must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. So it's basically saying, Don't let the immorality of the world get into your life. It says, Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this. Did you catch that wording? It says, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance to the kingdom of Christ and God. Basically, the Bible's saying that if we not only win people to the Lord, if we don't help them grow and teach them the importance of living out the Christian life, then they may become a casualty meaning that they didn't grow deep in God's word and they didn't start living it out. And the Bible tells us that if there is this constant immorality in our life, then most likely we're not going to end up in the kingdom of heaven because that person may have not taken on the true grasp of Christianity. Now, when a person, if they truly accept Christ, then the Holy Spirit's going to be working in their life. But the Bible's letting us know there's no game play in here that a person has to know the Lord and grow in the Lord. Now, when I was looking at these scriptures and saw the simplicity that God has given us about his instructions and the importance of this great commission, I was uh, told a little bit about Josh Davis's uh, testimony. And Josh has really been growing in the Lord lately. He is... Uh, uh, I think it was the uh, Marines you were in, wasn't it, Josh? He was in the Marines. So he understands all this about following commands and what can happen if you don't follow the commands. 
And uh, Josh also understands the things about walking with the Lord and not walking with the Lord and the casualty that can come from that. So I'm going to ask Josh if he would come and share a testimony of his own personal life a little bit with you to help us to understand how significant it is that we fulfill the great commission that God has given us. And if we don't feel it to the fullest, there can be some casualties. For, uh, for those that don't know who I am, um, I've been a member of this church for, uh, for over 20 years. And it, uh, it doesn't seem like it's been that long for, for me and maybe for a lot of others in here this morning. Because for the last 15 probably, you haven't seen a lot of me. Um, and just to go ahead and give you a heads up, I'm going to cry a lot. Um, it, it's going to happen, so just uh, bear with me. When, when I joined this church, um, in the old sanctuary, I sit where a lot of you are sitting right now. We all, the youth all kind of sit together. Um, we, we interacted with each other, supported each other, and helped each other. But however, for me, when I walked outside the doors of this church, that's where it stopped. I didn't, I didn't live the, the life that I needed to live through through God and my faith outside the walls of this church. I had Josh Davis at church, and then I had Josh Davis outside church that when, when the lights went out, none of this in here mattered. None of this counted. None of this even was a forethought for me. I did not live the way that I should have lived my life. I can, I can stand up here and, and, and go on and on and on for the 36 years of my life, the, the trials and tribulations, just, just like anybody else could if you were honest to yourself sitting there. And, and I can't stand up here and I can't tell you that the Bible has one certain verse, one certain book, one certain chapter. It's, it's not one thing to me that has smacked me in the face and opened my eyes. My testimony, my blueprint, my guide starts on page one. I think my Bible ends on page like 1700 and something. But it's, it only in there. I'm not done. God's not done with me. And, and I've asked the question to, to Rhett, Robbie, Brett, Logan, when do you know when, when God's got, got it for you? When do you know what your plan is? When do you know His direction? When do you know His guidance? I can honestly answer this now, and it all kind of came into place Friday night. Me and Rhett, and driving up 75 in a van, Rhett's speakerphone, trying to order pizza at the Papa John's. 13 kids talking, I'm trying to drive in the rain, trying to go slow because the other buses can't keep up. And God, God finds his way in that van and he, and he plops down right between me and Rhett. And I asked Rhett kind of the plan for the weekend. Rhett told me. We talked about it. Um, me and Rhett start talking. Rhett asked if I would like to speak. And I, I told Rhett, I believe I do have something I could offer. Friday night, early Saturday morning, the opportunity presented itself, and I did, I did speak. And then, you know, we came back, and then Brett called me last night to uh, kind of address the church on what I talked about. And, and I could stand up here, and I could, I could talk to the point to where when you leave for lunch, there won't be a line, because it's, you know, everybody else has already ate. But I'm going I'm to shorten it up. God has given me a platform my entire life to, to do His commission. My mom did her part. She fulfilled hers. She got me through the door. 
She prayed for me. She loved me. And so did a lot of other people here. And once I graduated high school, I, was, uh, I joined the, the Marine Corps and uh, got stuck, had the opportunity. It was a privilege. I don't know what you want to call it, but I ended up in Iraq in 2004. And uh, there's, and some of you can attest to this, that's been away, away from home in a uh, combat situation. Uh, it's, it, it's stressful. There's a lot on your plate, and there's a lot of people that find religion really, really quick, whether they truly believe it or not. But when, when it gets bad and you're getting, you're getting shot at, the first thing you want to do is pray to God that, you know, you make it out okay. I had turned my back on God in Iraq more than once. I didn't feel my, my commission, my, my purpose. I'm not one time in Iraq did I pray for anybody other than myself out of selfishness. Not one time did I try to witness to anybody. Not one time did I try to encourage anybody through the Bible, through the Word, or through God. I didn't. Not one time. So there's Marines that are dead that I had the opportunity to witness to and talk to. I never opened my mouth one time. I don't know where they're at. I don't know where their souls are at. And that's on me. God gave me the platform. He gave me the knowledge. It had been ingrained in my head since I could, could remember. I've been in church my whole life. But I didn't take the steps that I needed to take as a Christian, as a man, to relay that knowledge, to pass that knowledge on, to fulfill His commission. I was too busy and too caught up in other things. I was more worried about taking care of, uh, you know, taking care of the enemy than I was taking care of myself and the people around me. We all live, we all die. It, it, it's, it's, this is the way it is. You're not going to get away from dying. We're all going to do it. And, and there's, there's so many people in my life I've came in contact to, and I've had countless, countless times to witness to them, to speak to them, to just to find out where their heart is and to do anything I could do to lead them through those doors and down to this altar. I've never done it. I haven't been doing it. I, I don't know... The opportunity's been there, the knowledge has been there, the ability's been there, the resources have been there. I never did it because that's just, it wasn't important enough for me at the time. You, you take, take Iraq out of the, out of the picture and, and I get back home and this, um, to hit a little closer to home, two, uh, two great friends of mine. <clears throat> I knew Tommy Edwards since kindergarten, I knew Neil Devine since the first grade. We spent more time together as kids growing up than, than I probably spent with my own family at home. God put them in my life in kindergarten in the first grade at a very young age. I was going to church. I was involved in church. But like I said, once I walked outside the doors, I left church at church. After I'd gotten back from Iraq, uh, working at the sheriff's office, I get a phone call on a Sunday morning from dispatch. And uh, they say, hey, we, we need you to go serve a uh, death notification. You got two of them. And I gripe, and I, I said, look, no, pass it off to day shift. It's Sunday. 
I've got seven days coming up. I ain't, ain't going to do it on Sunday morning. Dispatch asked me again. I told him, I said, okay. I said, who is it? They give me the names, and I drop the phone. Neil and Tommy and a few others have been drinking in Chattanooga club, partying. They get off the interstate coming southbound uh, in Ringgold. They straighten the ramp out and decide to get back on, going southbound. They park a Honda Civic up under a, a, a tractor and trailer. It kills them both. I mean, it decapitates them. I go deliver the message. It's hard, but I let the parents know, parents that I've known since I was a kid, that they've passed away. We cried, we shared memories, but the one thing I never did was mention this book. Even then, I never mentioned a word to the family about God and comfort. We have the funeral, and uh, it's already weighing on me a little bit. I'm looking for the, for the gentleman that's you know, conducting the funeral to, to tell me that he talked to the family and the families ensured them that their, their lives were right with God. I sit back there at the end of that, that service, hoping and praying that the, that the Lord would reassure me that their, their lives were right. That service concluded, and I still don't have the answer. And that's on me. I was given well over 15 years of close friendship, everyday contact with these two young men. And not one time did I invite them to church, witness to them, pray for them, pray with them, or talk to them about Jesus. And, and I've been dealing with that and struggling with that for, for a long time. I was away from church for, for a long time because of the hatred that started to grow in me for God and for Bible because I couldn't understand it. I couldn't rationalize with everything that went on in Iraq, with everything that goes on in Dalton, Georgia, with everything that happened to my two very close friends, to the constant death and constant just the things that I was, that I'd came to just become a norm in my life of death and destruction. I couldn't, I couldn't make it make sense. I was, it did, for me, when, when you see a child that's been shot, you can't rationalize it. You see a child that's drowned, you can't rationalize it. You can't make that make sense to you. You, you can sit there and you can go, why God, why? Well, God's got a plan. He's got a purpose. As bad as it is and as much as it, it'll throw you off and it hurts, He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. But instead of me accepting that and realizing that and moving forward with it, I grew a, a, a dark, deep hatred for, for, for God, for Christians, because I didn't understand. I didn't want to understand. I didn't want to open my heart. You see a six-year-old child with a bullet in the head, to me that was more than I could take anymore. I denounced it. If Brett were to walk up to me during that period of time and ask me, hey, how you doing? Invite me to church. I'd smile and say, I'll try to be there on Sunday. When Brett walked away, I knew without a doubt I would not be there on Sunday. I knew I wasn't going to go. Didn't want to go. And it took, and this is where it's going to get pretty emotional for me. <clears throat> for almost eight years, my mom drove to my house 
on Sunday mornings and pick my son up and brought him to church. For eight years, I'd get up on Sunday morning, help him get ready for church, and send my son out the door with my mom. I can't. At first it didn't bother me because of the hate and because of the darkness that I had in my heart. But as time went on, it started to eat at me a little bit. And when you're a when you're a father and you're a your child comes home excited about being saved and you had no hand in it, no part in it, I never witnessed to my son, I never prayed for my son, I never opened this Bible for my son. But this church did for him. And for that I'm forever grateful. What led me back to church was, was my son. There's a lot of people in here that's prayed for me. A lot of people that's said a lot of prayers for me and my family. But when you have an eight-year-old boy look up to you and he sees you as your role model, is uh, somebody he wants to be. He's eight and I'm 36. And he's got a better handle on God's plan than his daddy does. We've, we've had the what at stake dinner. We, we spoke a lot here recently about a man of God that you know you should be what the church wants you to be, what we should do. I haven't done it. My eight-year-old son has been more of a man of a God than his 36-year-old dad. That eight-year-old boy back there, has, he listened to God. He took it in. He understood it. He felt it in his heart. And he manned up at eight years old and doing what he's supposed to do. My son prayed for me to come back to church, and I told him that I would. He got me through the doors. And it was last Easter as when this started coming together. He got me through the doors. He got me in here. He fulfilled God's commission at that time for him. He got Daddy through the doors. I started attending. I, I came Easter Sunday. I came the next Sunday. And, and I wish Judy was here, but it's probably a blessing that she's not because I would boo-hoo like a baby. Judy Canada walked up to me the second Sunday I started coming back to church. And I don't, I know Judy from church. I, I went to school with her daughters. We're not blood, we're not family, other than church family. But me and Judy, have, you know, I'm not Facebook friends with her. We don't, we don't interact with each other outside the halls, you know, the doors of this church. But Judy Canada walked up to me and uh, she gave me a hug and she told me she loved me and she never stopped praying for me. When she said it, I thanked her and it didn't really set in. I leave church that Sunday and I go home and I'm just sitting there 
flipping through the channels. And, and that, what Judy told me just keeps running through my mind. And, and the guilt that I started to, to be filled with was unbearable. Here's a lady that does not know Josh Davis outside the doors of this church. She knows me, she knows my mom, but we're not family. We're not, we don't interact with each other during the week outside of church. But here's a woman who's been through a lot with her family medically, her and her husband. And, and they've had a, a rough, rough time. But yet she still took the time to pray for somebody that she don't really know. Other than we're members of the same church, she didn't know me. She did not know anything that was going on in my life. But I fully believe when she told me that she loved me and she never stopped praying for me, that was true. And, and she didn't have to. But she filled, fulfilled the commission. Brett's on his path. Rhett's doing his. Logan, let me I'll just explain this. Logan has helped me more than, than Logan will ever know. When his mouth opens and God puts words through him, I listen and I take it in. His passion, his leadership, his younger brother. You, you can see Logan's leadership and what he does and it passes on. So my, my testimony, it, it can go on for days and I can just rock and ramble till supper time and you would get mad. But the biggest thing is God's, God's been telling me since day one what my commission is, what I'm supposed to do. All, all I got to do is believe in Him. All I had to do was accept Him. And then all I had to do was be a Christian. And for, for 20 plus years, I, I couldn't pull that off. I wasn't doing that. It's as simple as that. When I started coming back to church, I, I asked Rhett, I've asked Brett, Robbie, I've asked so many people. Because I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be back. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm just, you have no idea the turnaround in my life over the last year. And, and I've asked the question, I said, I'm not, you know, and I've made the statement, I don't know what God's plan is for me, but I'm just going to keep praying about it, reading the Bible, and I'm, I'm, ex I'm excited. Well, the, the plan's been there the whole time. It, it's always been there. All you got to do is witness to them. All you got to do is get them through the door. If you'll get them through the door, Brett, Michael, Jansen, Logan, Brett, their words through God will do the rest. All you got to do is get them through that door. The power of God will do the rest. And, and I'll, I'll leave with this. I, I give up a lot of opportunities to witness to people. And there's a lot of people in my life that I know have passed away. And I was given the opportunity. I was given the chance over and over and over again. And I didn't do it. Their souls are more likely in hell. And that's on me. Solely on me, absolutely not. But I'll carry that burden. And I'll carry that thought because I know... That if I, if I give that thought up, if I give that memory up, and if I turn that memory to the side, I'll go right back down that path. So I'm never going to forget Tommy. I'm never going to forget Neil. It breaks my heart and it kills me that their souls are not in heaven. But the memory of them will make sure that I don't let that opportunity pass me by again. I won't miss the chance again. You get them through the door, God will do the rest. You live your life as a Christian. You live your life the way you're supposed to. God's going to do the rest. I, I'm not going to promise you that everything's great, that, that the money's going to be just flowing in, the bank account rises, the promotions at work and all that. It ain't going to happen. It's not that. But the, the feeling you have, the love that you can, you can feel, and just the at peace, you can't, it can't be bought. And, and I had this thought a couple Wednesdays ago during the, um, um, after the Wednesday night service, they had the... Um, uh, went over the budget. What's the terminology? I'm going blank. Conference. Went over the budget and things like that. And, and I have no idea why this thought got in my mind. 
But I kept thinking the whole time I was sitting there, I kept looking up here at the area between this altar and this altar. And I thought, man, there's, there's nothing in that budget that says we should replace this carpet from that door to this altar to that altar. And as a church, if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, we're never going to replace the carpet up here. Because we're not fulfilling our... We're not fulfilling what God wants us to do. We're not leading people through the doors to this altar and then up to that baptism. If we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, this carpet's never going to get changed. But I challenge you as a church, I challenge myself, every year when we have a budget meeting, the carpet from this altar to that altar to that door has got to get replaced. No question about it. No, hands down. Because if you're, even if you're a member of this church and even if, you, if you're on fire for God, Something happened between the last time you were sitting in that pew to, to now that you need to come up here and get with God about. Make it right. Get that peace. So when, when Brett plays the music tonight, or this afternoon when they, when, they, when they start playing and they start singing, the altars, it's not just to come down here and get saved. There's so much more. If you'll come to these altars and you'll, you'll get on your knees, talk to God, you'll figure it out with Him. You, you can't find it in one certain verse. One certain verse is not going to make you or break you with this Bible. From page one to the end, it's the blueprint. It's the plan. It's the guide. You've got to get in it. You've got to believe in it. Great job. Amen. You can't add anything to that other than what are you waiting for? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads as the musicians come. And Lord, I have uh, even watched some uh, military shows before, and I can remember after a commission was given, soldiers standing there and hearing the officer say, what are you waiting for? Maybe that's the only thing that uh, I would add today, and that is, what are you waiting for? Lord, I just thank you, God, for... All that has happened in Josh's life that you were able to take that and bring it about to challenge our hearts today and see the reality and the importance of the instructions you've given us. And so, Lord, we just pray, God, that your hand would be upon Josh and, Lord, that you would just continue to use him for your glory. God, that you would just continue to grow him and mature him. And, Lord, all those years he lost of fulfilling his commission and leading people to come to know you, Lord, I pray, God, that you would just give him some souls for the harvest of being able to do that now. And, Lord, I pray that each one of us would take a just close look at ourselves and ask ourselves, what are we doing? Are, are we living out Josh's old story of really not doing anything as far as helping someone come to know you? Or are we ready to live out Josh's new story, and that is... We need to be doing so much we're wearing out the carpet from the doors to the altars. Oh, what a, what a word. Thank you, Lord. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I think the invitation's clear, and that is, what are you waiting for? Do you need to come and just kneel at the altar right now and just say, Lord, I don't want to be like Josh's old story. I want to be like Josh's new story. I want to be one who's telling others about Christ, going and baptizing and teaching is that your desire if it is maybe that you might want to just come right now just step out of your pew and come kneel at these altars and just say Lord today I'm making a choice 
I want my testimony from this day forward to be that I have been sharing with someone about Christ. That I've been inviting others to church. That I've been doing something to impact someone's soul. Now if that's your desire, would you just come right now? Some others that are already come to the altar, maybe you want to come and join them. Just make it not only your heart's desire, but a desire to be a part of, of a church body that does want to wire out the carpet from the doors to the altars for people coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, I just love you, praise you, and thank you, God, for your precious word and your precious guidance that brought this together this morning. And God, I'm praying that you would stir our hearts in such a way that we would leave here different than when we came. Lord, I don't think it was by any accident that... uh, you led me to this message and gave me the uh, uh, knowledge to find out about uh, Josh's testimony to put him into the message. And at the same time, during the last couple of weeks, you've been speaking to me about a SWAT team, a soul winning team. And Lord, I just believe, God, that you are stirring some spiritual fires that, Lord, we've got to either uh, be a part of or we're going to be part of trying to put that fire out. So God, I just pray that we would stir those fires, Lord, and that you would do a mighty work. Lord, I pray that we'll hear testimonies from this day forward of people who have been sharing with others and inviting others. Lord, I know that a member recently was telling me about being excited about inviting somebody to church and found out they were already a church member, but they said the words, you almost convinced me to come to your church. That's the excitement we need to have. Lord, I just pray you'll be glorified in this invitation, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.